From the Source. I'm Michelle Brenner and I'm your host. From the Source aims to answer the question of what tech jobs are really like, both the good and the boring. Today we're going to hear from Nina Kidd. Nina, can you tell us your current job title and how long you've been there? Sure. So my job title is Accounting Systems Analyst 2, <laughs> and I work for the County of Los Angeles Auditor Controller, and I've been there for 12 years this year. Wow, that's a mouthful. Uh, can you tell us a little more about that and what an average day looks like for you? Sure. So it actually varies a lot. Um, my position as a systems analyst um, mostly involves like, you know, understanding our users' needs. And for me in my department, that ends up being uh, other employees at the county. So we're in very much a supportive role, um, like building out applications for use uh, for internal operations. And so that includes, um, you know, meeting with our future users, understanding their needs and requirements, um, doing analysis on uh, software and options that are available out there, as well as how to go about architecting a solution and then uh, implementing it as well. And sometimes that includes um, programming uh, by developers on our team, which sometimes means me by myself, or it could be more mean, it could mean uh, working with our central IT department um, and remotely, you know, working with them as the developers and us being like the business analysts and project managers. And sometimes uh, the work that I do also involves just um, support because uh, I have our uh, external facing website, um, as my responsibility. So, you know, we help people get their content up there. So it's a huge variety of things. Do you like having that variety? Uh, definitely. So <laughs> I actually started off my career, um, really insecure because I didn't feel like, uh, I was, you know, really smart in any one thing. And like, I wasn't this like rock star specialist type and I was interested in a lot of things. And I kind of, you know, dug into that more and became comfortable with the idea of being a generalist, um, you know, being able to tackle like a variety of things, whatever's thrown my way. And I think, you know, that helps um, keep the job interesting and I develop a variety of skills, um, you know, and then just in the type of work that we do too and the people that we interface with, the kind of problems we solve, um, we get to learn so many different aspects of, um, I guess, our business within government. And so it's, it ends up being really interesting. What's been the most surprising thing you've learned working in government? Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of layers here um, going on in my head that I'm trying to unpack. Because <laughs> like some things are, are not a surprise, but then, then they are a surprise. So I, I would say, you know, one, one aspect in which it was like, you know, the this idea that I had in my head was that like, government sucks you know there's a lot of bureaucracy and you know people don't want to be progressive and learn and do things and and the way we do tech sucks like you know a lot of that is true for sure but it's also true of any large old bureaucratic organization you're part of whether that's public or private sector and so in that sense i think 
the surprising thing is that like we do have so many people who care about doing a great job, trying to improve things, you know, do good work within the county. That's awesome to hear. And a very interesting perspective about how people think that, you know, big tech companies are always uh, on the cutting edge, but they can sometimes be just as hard to move as a big government. Agency. Oh, yeah. And well, actually, so at an as an addendum to that uh, surprising thing, you know, I think a lot of people do, you know, see government failures and blame government. But what they don't realize, and I know this because I work on the inside, is that, you know, a lot of the time we actually contract out to private companies for our work. So um, that failure of a website or application, like that's actually a private company that created that. <laughs> when that happens, uh, what do you think is the issue? I've heard before uh, just from podcasts and the internet about the bidding process can be really difficult. So it can be really hard to get a variety of companies, that sort of thing. Oh, definitely. And uh, I think a huge part of that is, um, you know, kind of built into the way that we do procurement um, and the kind of like we haven't been able to evolve to create our um, request for proposals in a way that matches with modern tech development practices. Um, and then the way in which we change the process and educate people is difficult to do as well um, just because of our internal operations. And it's also hard for us to hire people uh, who know how to do these things just because of the way our hiring process works. And it, it's really hard because I know that the bureaucracy was put in place for specific reasons, you know, and it's to protect, um, protect the public's interests, you know, because we're spending the public's money. We have to be responsible with that. And checks and balances were put into place to discourage nepotism and favoritism. But, you know, those things also make it difficult for us to move more agilely. Do you feel like as part of your job, you get to move the needle a little bit, however, incrementally in the right direction? Oh, definitely. And that, like, discovering that I could have that power even you know, at whatever low level I am was so empowering for me and really just triggered my passion for the work that I do. And um, part of it is, you know, yeah, the day-to-day, -day, you know, developing our websites and applications with best practices in mind and, you know, educating and bringing in other government tech employees into the fold, so to speak, with that. But also it's just, you know, being an advocate for all of this and, you know, being a government employee, being on the inside, I kind of have that in with other government employees, you know, because I think a lot of uh, people in government do get defensive when they're approached by people outside government. They're like, oh, you don't understand. Like, why should I listen to you? So I can approach them from the inside and, you know, say, yeah, I get it too, but we're in this together. So let's try to fix this. What initially drew you to work in the government? Um, so it was really kind of random. Well, random in a way. So a lot of people, I think, end up getting into government, um, at least my local government agency, because they knew someone else who worked in government, <laughs> you know, and it is uh, stable, it's secure, you get um, decent benefits, which are really valuable in this day and age. 
And, um, you know, I had a relative who did work in government and just put that out there as an opportunity. So I worked there as a student professional worker over the summer while I was still in college. Um, they really liked me and the work that I did. So when I graduated uh, and a position opened up, they told me to apply and I made it in. Uh, and it was, you know, initially in my mind that I would only stay there temporarily because I didn't, you know, I didn't see government work as like a, a long-term thing for me. It wasn't glamorous. And coming from uh, going to school in the Bay Area, you know, tech companies, the startups, those were the glamorous things. So I was like, I'm going to stay in for five years and then I'm going to go find a really cool startup. Um, but I ended up staying for 12 years. Uh and, uh, you know, loving it more and more as I stay because I, I'm optimistic and I see like the potential for the difference that I can make. Can you talk about our recent project that you really enjoyed? Yeah, sure. So uh, one of my recent projects, I'm not actually on it right now, but I was on it for like the last uh, two years or so. Um, is this thing called the Library of Contract Information, uh, which we chose uh, because the acronym became uh, LOKI, or we pronounced, it, or we pronounced it as LOKI because we knew that it would be such a trickster of a project. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it sounds like ridiculous, like, oh, it's an application for contract information, Um but, you know, when, when I got into this contracting applica uh, project, you know, I had to learn about the business behind how we do contracting and procurement and the specifics about um, what goes into that process to understand, you know, what is the data that we need to collect? Because there's a lot of data um, that we could be collecting, but we don't want to collect every single part of it because that's unrealistic. So how do we condense that down? What is useful for our users and then what's useful for executive management and the elected officials, the board of supervisors who we all essentially report to at the end of the day. Um, so I really had to dig deep into that. And yes, there's a lot of dysfunction in there, but it was really interesting to learn about. And so I really loved it for giving me like that insight into this like side of government work that I never thought that I would have a passion for. So did you feel like you had the autonomy to just go in, do a bunch of research and figure out the best needs for your clients? Um, sometimes. So I will say that my direct management is awesome. I love them. And that's why I've been with them for 12 years. But it can be difficult when, you know, they're being given directives by like people higher up who are further away and, you know, have their own ideas. Um, so in that sense, like my, my bosses try to buffer me the best they can. Um, and they give me like a good amount of autonomy. Um, but you know, sometimes we're just kind of dealt a poor hand and have to make the best of it. Uh, so what I try to do as a result is exercise my autonomy outside of work <laughs> to, you know, just like network within the government and civic technology community and take advantage of all these other resources um, that I don't get afforded through my actual day job. Do you want to talk a little bit about the organizations you're a part of? Oh yeah, totally. So um, I 
am one of the co-captains of Hack Verlay, and we are a volunteer group that works on civic technology projects. And we host two weekly hack nights, one in downtown, one in Santa Monica. And basically, you know, people who are in tech, it doesn't matter like what kind of background actually, if you're in tech or not. So we have developers, designers, you know, UXUI people, product managers, but also just, you know, activists and engaged community members. They come out and pitch ideas for projects to address needs that they see in their communities, um, things they want to help solve, and they work on these projects. And uh, some of what we've been doing more of is trying to build relationships with nonprofits and government agencies um, to let them know that we exist here as a resource uh, because a lot of the time they don't have um, internal IT technology resources. So we can uh, be that for them. And so we're trying to come up with uh, impactful projects in partnership with these groups. And uh, we do all of this as the local chapter, local Los Angeles chapter of a nationwide network of uh, what we call brigades. So the idea is they're kind of like um, fire brigades, like in service to the community, you know, helping put out local fires. Um, but there's a whole network and it's operated under Code for America, which is a nonprofit in this civic technology and government space. So I'm the co-captain of that. Um, I'm also on the National Advisory Council that is over the Brigade Network and communicates with Code for America on behalf of the individual brigade groups and kind of access leadership in that sense. Um, I'm also in a few other groups. I don't know if you want me to mention those as well. We can, we can keep we can talk about those uh, as well throughout the podcast. But um, actually, I have a question about Heferlay. So. Um, one thing I've noticed, uh, a common problem that I get asked about a lot is that people who have about one or two years experience coding and really want to get to the next level, um, they don't always have access to mentorship or other senior engineers that can help code review their projects. Do you think being a part of Hack for will really help them, uh, increase their skills? Oh, definitely. Um, I think that, our project groups are a great opportunity for people to get real world experience on projects. Um, and a lot of the people that come to us are actually trying to transition into technology or they came from a boot camp, you know, and I think that um, it's, it's really important to get experience working on a, a real project because you interact with, um, I guess other other sides of the business that you don't normally get to do when you're just the only person on a project. And I know because I've done that myself when I was practicing different languages, you know, when you're working with other people, you have to learn how to communicate. You have to learn how to, um, you know, uh, take in the different perspectives. You know, if you're working with a UX UI designer um, and you have to learn how to properly uh, project manage or product manage this thing that you're working on. So I think it's it's a great experience, and we're hoping to offer, um, you know, 
really useful opportunities for people that they can then present when they are trying to apply for jobs. You know, they can say that I worked on this project with this LA County department to like help feed low income people and, you know, really cool things. I know as a, someone who works in hiring, if I saw that, that would definitely be a big plus. Oh, that's great to hear. Like I've never actually been involved in hiring. So it's, it's what I hear from other people around me. (laughs) I think even on the flip side and correct me if I'm wrong, I think senior engineers could really benefit as well because one of the skills they have to cultivate is being the mentor and is being able to give good, useful code reviews and being a part of that could really help them get them to the next level and being able to make them better at hiring and training entry-level engineers. Definitely. I totally agree. And it's, I mean, it's kind of the nature of what we do that like makes that a little difficult sometimes because we are in front of the computers so much. Um, And, you know, part of my reason for even first attending tech meetup groups was I realized like sometimes I might go days without like talking to a person (laughs) and (laughs) that's not good. And um, I think it's really good for more senior people to get that experience uh, leading people. You know, it's different than, <laughs> than just leading the direction of your coding project. Um, and I think it's great for more senior people as career development. You know, we have what well, we try to promote opportunities for people to speak and present as well. And as a more senior person, I think, you know, there's that um, uh, maybe not expectation all the times, but I think it's very beneficial to know how to present and communicate your ideas to like even more senior executive level management to be able to be clear about that. And we try to promote our volunteers to take advantage of those opportunities to present about the projects that they work on with us at our local conferences. And there's a lot of great opportunities here in the LA area right now for that. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. When I made the jump from mid to senior uh, on this job, I was definitely a big part of it was being able to clearly articulate my needs and what I want to plan and convince everyone that it was the right thing to do and get all the stakeholders involved from, you know, every department and every level. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Um, So let's talk a little bit about all the other groups you like to be in. Um, Since you're so active, uh, what, what questions do you often get when you go to these meetups? I guess, how do I have time for this all? (laughs) That's the big question uh, that I get asked, actually. Um, So I would say that, like, uh, it's it's come down to uh, figuring out what I really prioritize in my life. Um, And it's kind of weird to say because, like, okay, so as a kid, like, my parents wouldn't really let me watch TV. So once... I moved out. I'm like, oh, great. I can watch all the TV I want. But now, like, I'm involved in so many things. Like, I don't really care about watching TV or going to the movies anymore. Um, so, so it's kind of like distilling down, like, you know, I really value the groups that I'm part of and the impact that I have with them. And I want them to succeed. Um, I want to um, help promote all these things that I'm really passionate about. And part of it's really like finding that 
passion. Um, and then, you know, outside of that, learning to like how to give yourself a break and realizing when you need to just kind of take a step back and say no to things and it's going to be fine. Um, but spend time doing the things that you really love outside of it. So, you know, for me, that's spending time with the people who are close to me and making sure that I make time for them in the middle of all this. Absolutely. I think saying no to so many different learning and networking and enjoyable opportunities is one of the hardest parts of this wonderful tech community. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's so hard. And actually in that sense, like, um, I, well, I've always had a difficult problem with that, but what I've tried to do as well is to, um, be more strategic about what I say yes to and really consider, um, like, what does my involvement look like? What are the expectations going to be like? And, you know, being upfront about that as well, but being strategic in say, uh, events that get planned. So, you know, if, if there's an expectation that I'm part of, uh, uh, ideating on and organizing events for one group, but I know that that would benefit these other groups that I'm part of, turn it into a collaborative event co-sponsored by all these groups and we benefit all of our communities. And like, I'm a big fan of just, you know, mixing everyone together because that's where you get like amazing, unique combinations is when you put a variety of people together that it definitely feels like that's like the next level of organizing where you realize, oh, I'm in these 10 different groups that all have kind of the same needs. How can I contribute to all of them, maybe all of them in a similar way at the same time and be very efficient about it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love playing uh, like civilization building games <laughs> as a kid. So, so this is natural for me to, to think about it in this way too. <laughs> Oh, uh, how do you decide which events uh, are going to be the best for you in terms of attending? I, I Myself, I see that there's always new events all the time, and it's hard to judge whether this would be a good use of my time or go to another one. It, it can be hard for sure, and I don't know that I have a good method <laughs> necessarily. Like, I've definitely cut back on events for like personal skill building, I think, because there was a period of time when I was going to those, um, you know, to build up my uh, technical skills and my uh, networking skills or, you know, interpersonal <laughs> pers uh, organizing skills and all these things. And I focus more on like what, what kind of value can this event add to these communities that I'm part of? You know, and um, for me, a lot of times that turns into like, is this a good opportunity for me to advocate on behalf of these groups I'm part of? Like, are these attendees going to be interested in this opportunity um, that I can present to them? Uh, or, I mean, in the specific case of Hack for LA, you know, we're trying to um, develop trust and relationships with people who are on the front lines as service providers, advocates, people who work in government. And so events that really allow me to engage with them and see that we're for real, you know, and we're here to do work. Um, those are valuable for me. I think that's, that's really insightful. Um, speaking of skills, let's talk a little bit more about your job. 
What skill do you find the most essential on a day-to-day basis? So at this point in my career, I would say communication is huge. And it's something that, you know, as a electrical engineering, computer science major, you know, my background's completely in programming. Like, I think they don't focus enough on, they don't teach you about in school. And granted, it is something that I think you need to build up over time. Um, You know, most people aren't just born with this innate ability to clearly communicate effectively with everyone around them. But, you know, empathy and communication, understanding where people are coming from, um, understanding how to respond to them in a way that, that they will then understand and doesn't put them on the defensive, you know, being able to uh, clearly communicate your technical project to non-technical people so that you're not talking down to them, that they don't feel overwhelmed, um, but understand what you need out of them, I think is so important. How would you advise students uh, in school now or graduating to learn that sort of skill? I would say a great way is to actually get involved in volunteer groups and step up for leadership opportunities, because that's going to put you in a position of responsibility. And that's when communication becomes so important. So um, an example of that, say, is just being one of the leaders within Hack for LA. You know, I'm responsible for providing a safe and welcoming environment for our volunteers and our attendees. And that means that if we have, you know, people who are disrupting that environment, who are harassing people, it's up to me to be able to handle that situation and to communicate uh, in a way that resolves a situation, you know, and, um, and it's like the same at work, you know, if I'm, uh, in charge of a project, I have to report to managers, I have to communicate with my developers. And, you know, it's, it's on me to make sure that, um, <laughs> that like every side gets that the correct message. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. So my next question might feel like a little bit of a cheap shot because you work in government, but I promise you, I ask every single person this question because it's part of our motto, but what is the most boring but essential part of your job? <laughs> no worries. I, I can take all the all the government jokes. Boring but most essential, uh, let's see. Oh, so I was, uh, yeah, there's a lot I could say, but I think this applies to, a lot of jobs, not just government, and that is documentation, you know, and as a technical person, I encountered this early in my career, you know, when you're coding something, you run across a bug, and like, you, you Google, and you find the, the one answer that fits, and you're like, yay, I fixed it, okay, great, and then like, three months down the line, you encounter a bug, and you're like, wait, I feel like I've encountered this before. Oh shoot, where was where was that page that had the solution? And then you spend hours trying to find it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I learned early on uh, to to document really well uh, what I do. And you know, part of that is you know I'm the only 
person or only programmer on my project some of the time. And so I made it, you know, three, six months ago, and I have to deal with the result of I wrote back then. And so I feel really dumb when, you know, I look at my code, I'm like, I don't know what I was thinking. Why did I do it this way? What, what does this mean? Um, <laughs> so in that sense, like, it, it really taught me myself the importance that I need to document for myself, but also for other people, you know, uh, you know, documenting like the process of like how to set something up or why it was set up this way. Cause there's a lot of little nuances in place that make sense and you understand when you're doing it, but a year later, like who knows? Absolutely. Uh, I actually experienced that this week when someone asked me, Hey, I saw this weird test do you know what's going on here? And I was like, oh, me, I wrote that. I can't defend past Michelle. Uh, I will just let you know that you should probably do this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you find is the most stressful part of your job and how do you manage it? Um, I would say that the most stressful part of my job is uh, dealing with management directives that I don't necessarily agree with. Um. And it's, it's something where like, you know, I just, I really don't have much control over where, you know, I wasn't involved in a project. Um, the executive management worked with vendors and like, they came up with a prototype and then suddenly I get handed this prototype and they say, you're in charge of this project now, like uh, roll it out live. And I'm like, wait, hold up. Like, there's all these bugs and this environment isn't stable. And if for us to actually roll it out, we need to implement all these additional features and this doesn't even solve what our users want. Like, why are we doing this? <laughs> but like, it's, it's my job to, to do this thing. So I think that is really stressful. Like knowing that, you know, I have to work on this thing that I don't really believe in, but I'm going to try to do my best anyway. And the thing that I found to be able to handle that is really, um, I guess, finding other outlets. And that is definitely part of the reason why I got involved with hack for la and other groups, because I feel like, you know, I can have that impact elsewhere. And also just knowing that, like, those opportunities that, en that I engage in elsewhere are ultimately going to help me down the line. And this and this is kind of unique maybe to government and um well just in the sense that we don't necessarily have that idea of you know jumping around to a new opportunity so you know i've had relationships with uh other county employees um from back when i first started like 10 11 years ago and we've been working um on various projects and communicating with each other for a long time. And 10 years from now, like, you know, they may be in higher levels in government and I may be in a higher level in government and we'll know each other and be able to um, influence each other to help each other and succeed in what we're trying to do. So, um, knowing that like it's a long game and even if i'm experiencing difficulties and stress about my impact right now um as long as i trust in the work that i do and that i demonstrate that 
I do good work to the people who matter. Like that's, that's really what carries me through. That's, that's awesome. Um, I would say that it's not entirely unique to government. I've definitely worked in bigger companies where I've had to do projects I wasn't interested in. Uh, but I think that's, it's, it's very fascinating to hear people that have had similar journeys where it's like, Oh, work isn't as satisfying, satisfying as I'd like it to be right now. What could I do outside of work? And, joining tech groups was just so valuable for me and just learning about all the other opportunities. And, you know, it's part of the inspiration for the podcast to, to get all this knowledge out there of what else is possible, even if it's not your day-to-day job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think it's, I'm so happy that you're providing this uh, platform for people to talk about it. Cause some of these messages like don't go out there to people who are newer in the field and they do feel very insecure about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, one of my huge life goals is to keep people in tech and keep people interested and let them know that there's just so such a variety of jobs and projects you could be working on that the one you're working on isn't the one you're going to be working on forever, that there's so much more out there. Yep. And just to put that into perspective, too, like the the project that I said was my favorite, like complete failure. Like I'm not on that project now. Another group taking over the projects I've been on in the last five years, none of them went to production and are being used. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's a little discouraging, but ultimately like there were excellent things that I got out of them and, you know, I learned so much and I can use that in the future. Definitely. For every project you work on, you get better for your next project, even if it gets completely rewritten the moment you leave. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm constantly rewriting my own projects too. <laughs> Are there any skills that were on your job description or advice to have that you never use at all? Well, for me specifically, uh, definitely. So, uh, so remember my long title, uh, the first part accounting. So uh, we have this little quirk, uh, in my department, which is the auditor controller, where we are the only department in the LA County that hires specifically for this title, accounting systems analyst. Other departments have like systems analysts or information systems analysts or uh, application developers, program developers. Um, but we specifically hire for accounting systems analysts. Um, and you know, part of the job description you'll see in there is like, oh, works with accounting systems and financial blah, 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 this and that. But I personally have not had to do that just because of the nature of the one group that I'm on. Um, you know, some of the work that our department does is like uh, whistleblowing. So like investigation of um, improper activity by employees. So we help support them so that people can report fraud. And, you know, that has nothing to do with accounting. Well, maybe in a, in a way, but like, our uh, our business, uh, the the business issues that we tackle go way beyond the scope of just accounting. Do you uh, find with government job descriptions they're so regulated it's hard for you to get specifics when you're looking to hire people? For sure, like completely. Uh, there's a whole process um, to come up with the descriptions and to come up with like the criteria, the basis on which we evaluate people. And it's because they want it to be standardized and measurable. 
uh, to produce a score so that we don't introduce bias. And in that sense, like, I'm really proud that, um, you know, we're a very diverse work environment. Uh, but at the same time, it definitely makes it hard for us to create new positions to keep up with things. We don't have a way to specifically hire for, uh, you know, UX, UI designers and product managers or, um, what, what was the other thing? Well, for a lot of, oh yeah, data scientists, you know, and like data is so big right now. Everyone's talking about big data and all that stuff and government is too, but we don't have a title for that. So we just kind of have to shoehorn it in. And I know there's a lot of work being done internally to create those classifications, but it takes time and it's a process and it makes it really hard for us to try to hire for people and people who maybe want to do that kind of work within the government. They don't know what to try to apply for, who is trying to apply for those or who is trying to hire for those positions um, and putting out a job bulletin uh, you know, it's so hard to have that matchup. Um, and it's something, you know, that I want to try to help address. And I think a lot of people do recognize that it's an issue. So now that you've gotten people really excited about working in the government, <laughs> how would you suggest they figure this out? Like, is there any like keyword changes or something to figure out if the job description is actually something they're, they want to work on? Uh, that is tough. Uh, I don't think I have a good answer for that. I would say, um, so the basic ones like, uh, analyst or, um, systems analyst, uh, you know, developer programmer, sure. But it's, it does get tricky. I mean, this is on my list of things where I want to come up with a useful resource for people because I don't really have a good answer in in that sense, I would say the best option I have is try to go to spaces where there are government people you can talk to who are familiar with that and um, and just talk to more of them so that they can give you a better idea. And, you know, we a lot of the time we refer to government as like a singular large entity, but really we're we're siloed. Um, into our separate departments and we don't really talk with each other. So I'm mostly familiar with how my department runs. Um, and I don't know what other departments necessarily hire for. And that's something I'm trying to improve on myself um, in terms of where to find <laughs> those government employees to interact with. Um, Hack for LA for one, uh, definitely. Uh, there's also a breakfast lecture series that I help uh, organize called Data and Donuts. And we try to bring together uh, people from within government who work in tech and data to present about their projects, to cross their silos and communicate with other people um, so that they can learn and share. So I think uh, that could be a great resource as well. Um, but you know, even that's kind of hard because we're such a large region and it's fragmented. Um, it's hard to go to a single place. There is governmentjobs.com. Uh, a lot of the local government agencies list positions there, but it can be difficult to find the right thing if you don't know what you're looking for. 
so it sounds like you have to be just very proactive and kind of reach out to trying to get behind the scenes of what it says on the job description to people who actually work there and give you more of a day-to-day, -day, here's what this actually looks like. Because even a word like analyst to me sounds like it could be anything. Oh, yeah. And it, it really could be anything. Like when I first started, like I had no idea how to describe my job. And then we get um, management analysts and like business analysts who are who don't necessarily have a technical background, but now are being told to um, come up with dashboards and do data analysis. Um, but it's kind of like this entryway into doing more advanced data science. It's like, that's what their management wants to see out of them. Uh, but their job title has nothing to do with like data analysis or data science. It sounds like it also might be a good opportunity for people who are starting out and are not sure what they want to do and like, all right, let me try all these different things. And then later I can, you know, take a deeper dive on a specific thing I like to do. Yeah. And, you know, what we like to say in government too is like, you know, once you get that initial job, you get your foot in the door in one government position. It's a lot easier at that point to move around within government to other positions that might fit better uh, what you want to do. And, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I'll throw in there as well, I guess, another group that I got involved in this past year that I think is a great opportunity. Um, so I am on the board of the Asian American Employee Association for LA County employees. And these kind of um, social networks, <coughs> excuse me, within government, I think are a great way to network with other government employees who have been around longer and know the systems and understand how it works in different agencies and how to navigate that. So I'm still learning that myself and it's been um, very educational for me just to be involved with this group. I feel like I should have asked, are there any groups you're not involved in that might've been a shorter list? <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything you wish you could have told yourself 12, 12 years ago when you started your career? Uh, so many things, so many things. Um, I think uh, the biggest thing is to, you know, just put yourself out there and go for it. Um, I definitely had a lot of like insecurity and imposter syndrome going on when I started, you know, like um, I always felt like everyone else was a way better programmer than me. And I was just pretending. Um, but when you put yourself out there, you learn like, well, no, no one has their shit together. We're all learning. We're all in this together. <laughs> and once you start putting yourself out there, uh, realizing that, but also realizing, you know, it's okay to make mistakes and try again, you know, you, you improve and you get better and you grow so much faster. And I wish that I had started doing that earlier. Yeah, I know getting to tech, it can seem very overwhelming because there's all these huge, complex, fancy products out there, but they're really all put together by teams doing one small part at a time and maybe failing and starting over three different times to get it done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. So what's your next step? Ooh, my next step, my my plans for global domination. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, so, well, I do have kind of this... Um, larger goal, I guess. Uh, I want to improve the way government does technology. And I know that's like super broad and 
you know, my focus is specifically on the county of Los Angeles. Um, being in the civic tech space, I see that there has been a lot of focus on cities. So you hear about cities doing innovative things or like mayors pushing for things. And there's been some work at the federal level as well. And I think a lot of our counties are, you know, they fly under the radar. Like I had no idea about what the county structure was like before I started working there. Um, and even right now, when I talk to my friends, like they all think I work for the city. And then I'm like, no, no, I work for the county. What's the difference? Um, so I think there's a lot of need there. And I feel like I can add a lot of value um, in, you know, getting government tech employees within the county to engage with the tech community at large because I don't think that there's enough crossover there. I think that we can do a better job getting them involved with, say, the open source community because I think government would benefit a lot from, uh, you know, having more open source software and utilizing that more Um, and just, you know, encouraging more of a growth mindset within government employees and it's hard for us you know we're we're stewards of public resources tax dollars and everything and it's really hard for us to come across um uh, career development opportunities that our departments are willing to pay for so um a lot of people don't have this idea of constantly like learning and you know in tech it moves so quickly you really need to be able to constantly learn. So I think, you know, promoting that, like giving people access to free or low cost resources so that they can pursue that is really important to me. And, you know, I don't do any of that as part of my day job, but I would love to be able to, I don't know if that exists anywhere at this point, but long-term I would love to, you know, turn that into my official job. (laughs) having this conversation with you today and how passionate and how your big dreams for government are. It really, it really helps restore my faith a little bit. Knowing there's people <laughs> like you working in the government. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. I hope that's not too cheesy. But no, I no, totally. I mean, so I just came out of a, a two day conference um, where we got a bunch of government people together to learn about data and technology and open source. And I just felt that like all, all of the past two days. So I'm glad that, that you feel it too. <laughs> if our listeners want to reach out via social media, what's the best way to reach you? Listeners can find me on Twitter as well as Instagram. My handle is Ninakin9, N-I-N-A-K-I-N-9. Um, I am more active on Instagram, however, because I am a visual person and I love seeing pictures. <laughs> Thank you for speaking with us today, Nina. To keep up to date on upcoming episodes or to continue the conversation, please follow us on Twitter at FromSourcePod. If you'd like to share your journey with our audience or have any questions about the podcast, please email me at FromTheSourcePod at gmail.com.